Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. I think the last entrant to the bubble, Jamie Moore. Uh, you're out the, the uh, isolation period now. Jack Cattrall is ready to go tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah, done the uh, 24 hour in jail thing. And uh, yeah, he was up in for a while with Jack. Now he's in a good place, Re rehydrated, refueled, and uh, be ready to go tomorrow. What's your opponent like, Jamie? Not bad. You know, he's uh, tall, upright, well schooled. Um, plenty of body to get to, which which I always like for my fighters. So uh, so yeah, I mean, he, he's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a potential banana skin for the bigger fights for Jack. And these are the sort type of fights where they can end up being awkward. You know, fighters in the past have maybe tried to blast them out there and, and rush the job. So I've been. To try to explain to that you know this is one of them situations where you need to sort of really just relax um, and be yourself and, and I'm sure it'll flow and, and you'll look good doing it so uh, and I think this, his style's pretty pretty much suited to Jackie uh, you know he's, he's not the most evasive he uses his feet rather than head movement and I think Jack will, uh, Jack's timing's spot on he, if, in fact I feel like during that lockdown period he was in the gym constantly and um, he was doing a lot of tech sparring with Carl and with Akib Fiaz and I feel like it's really sort of, sort of come on and they've all helped each other improve in a way. So even though lockdown's been bloody horrendous for everyone, I feel like for those three in particular, because they, they did a lot of work together and, and we used a lot of text barring early on um, to try and work on their weaknesses and stuff like that, it, it helped bring them all on. So, so I think they took a lot out of it. I asked Jack this yesterday about whether there might be some ring rust tomorrow night. He said there won't be. Do you believe that's the case? Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's the case. I think ring rust is usually accumulated with not training and being in the gym. You know, you're out of the gym and then all of a sudden you rush it back for ten or twelve weeks. But he's never been out out of the gym. Um, I've said this to you before. You you won't come across a more disciplined and dedicated person um, when he's in camp, but outside of camp more so because he's always in the gym. Um, his weight fluctuates to a certain extent and then it's always sort of sitting there ready for if he gets a call like this for five or six weeks he can drop it and, and, and he's nice and strong and healthy so uh, so yeah I feel like he's 27 now and he's coming into his prime um, and it's perfect timing for him um, and I also feel like he feels like himself he's got a bit, bit of a point to prove and, uh, and I think it's going to be a pretty explosive performance Okay well, hopefully that's the case tomorrow night. Then he moves into a massive 2021. Was it a difficult decision to step aside? It wasn't my decision. Um, you know, it, my job is to get Jack ready for the fight. I did have conversations with the management team, um, as did Jack, who, who was all involved in it. But ultimately I said to him, and the management team said to him, it's your choice. We give him the options. You know, I, I say we, I sat in and listened to the options. And, and of course it was a difficult decision, but you know I think basically the the, the, the selling point was if Josh Taylor wins and, and I believe he will, um, then that, 
unified champion defending against another British fighter. Don't think it's ever been done before. And um, if that's the case, then it's, it's huge. So for Jack, not only to be getting his world title shot, but to be challenging for an undisputed title, just makes the fight even better. And I've had conversations with Jack, you know, long conversations with him, talking about these are difficult. I understand his frustration. It's been so difficult for him. He's had to sort of persevere and just keep that faith. But when he does get that opportunity, he'll he'll feel that all you know. He'll feel that much sweeter. And um, Josh Taylor, if, if Josh Taylor does win that fight and that he is the the guy who Jack's fights, it's a difficult fight and there's no doubt about it. But I honestly believe the stuff I've seen of Jack Carroll, he's capable of being any ten stone fighter in the world. I honestly believe that. Difficult situation for MTK because they managed Josh Taylor as well, so they had to kind of make sure both parties were happy. And ultimately, it seems like Jack, which is the main thing, and yourself and Nigel, etc., are happy with this decision. Of course, um, he's waited a long time, and and the long and short of it was: do you wait a, another two, three months on top of what you would have to wait for? Because Ramirez wasn't going to fight till sort of January time anyway and if he was forced into fighting Jack which could have been the case then um, it, it, there's no guarantee that that would have happened because Ramirez doesn't want to probably take that risk against Jack knowing it's a risky fight when he could probably as a world champion move up to welterweight and get bigger money big bigger fights so it was a difficult one because we could try and force people's hands but then it doesn't always go that way whereas if you you know, he's, he's got this fight, top rank have helped push this fight through for him to, to make sure he doesn't just sit around and wait. And then we got the promise from Josh Taylor that if he wins the fight, then he'll make that defence against Jack. So, you know, nothing's guaranteed in boxing, but you can't do any more than what they've done there. And my main, my main um, problem with it was I just wanted to make sure that Jack got a fight because he needs to earn money, you know, at the end of the day. He's not earning millions of pounds like world champions are. Um, he, the last time he fought was 12 months ago. Everybody's struggling, which is a horrible situation to be in. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that he got some money in, he's got a baby on the way. So, so sometimes it's not just about the politics of boxing, it's about your life. You know, your life, of course you want to be a fighter and you want to fight for titles, but life's more important and your family's, you know, more important. And uh, we had to make sure that the choice wasn't just about boxing, but it was about making sure it was the right choice for Jack's life as well. Mm. Well, hopefully um, he dazzles tomorrow night. Obviously, he's going to get paid so uh, just to, just before Christmas, which is good timing, and yeah. then a huge 2021, as I said, hopefully for Jack Cattrall uh, with a shot at a world title. Jamie, um, when can we expect an announcement on Carl Frampton and Jamal Herring? Mate, I wish I could answer that <laughs> question. Um, I'm being told end of January, early February, we're looking at, um, but there's nothing nowhere near set in stone yet. But I think Herring must know a little bit more than we do because he's carted himself off, in, off into camp. So Carl Frampton is now my lodger and he's back in my house and he's, um, he's preparing himself because these times, they, they're real difficult for fighters and you've, you haven't got the luxury at the moment of getting those 10, 12 week training camps. People aren't doing it. They're giving you four, five, six weeks notice. So, um, so Carl's in front of himself where he needs to be. If the fight turned, turned round and they said, it's the middle of January, Carl would be ready. So, um, 
So he's, he's done some tech sparring with Akib today and he said he feels great. So, uh, so yeah, the sooner we get that day, the better. Okay. What's the latest with Akib Fiaz as well? Akib's been told he's probably going to be January, uh, end of January, February himself. Um, Eddie uh, was impressed with him against Baker and I think he liked the fact that he took a risk that early. And, uh, and also, Baker's performance in the fight afterwards, um, you know, he turned over another unbeaten kid in, who was 5-0, and oh, so it was a very similar sort of situation to Akib. Um, so, so, yeah, I think he, he, he likes him and I think he'll push him. And Akib, I can tell he's took a lot from that fight. Um, I could feel it in him, sort of, after about three rounds. He started to get a little bit edgy about it's only three rounds in, he's feeling a bit tired. Because um, he fights with a lot of energy, Akib, and uh, and, he, and you know it's the longest he's ever going to be in a fight. But the experience of sort of getting to round six and realizing he's fine now and there's only two rounds left, so you can't beat that sort of experience, and uh, and it'll make him grow as a fighter. Can I get your breakdown of Dubois Joyce, please? Just give me a case for Daniel, and then straight after, give me a case for Joe. Well, Daniel, obviously huge puncher, great jab. Um, he's not going to have to go looking for Joyce. Joyce, I'm not saying he can't fight in any other way, but I think he'll go about this fight in the, the same way he does, where he'll try and establish his tempo, his um, work rate. So Dubois, I won't have any trouble finding him. Um, the big telling moments I feel will come early, the first, first, second round, where I feel like Dubois will land big, and depending on the reaction from Joyce, you know, if he see, if we get a bit of a reaction and he's shook a little bit, then that's not. Great. If he sort of walks through it and he's fine, then that's big trouble for Daniel. So, um, so I think the sort of first couple of rounds are going to be telling. If Joyce can get through the first three or four rounds, then Daniel could be in trouble because Joyce is big. He's, his work rate's phenomenal for for a guy that big, and he can punch himself. So it's not just work rate. You know, he, he can punch hard himself. So. Um, if you asked me to put my house on it, I really wouldn't know which way to go. But I've got a feeling, you know, Joyce has, he's not been hurt, but you've seen reactions a, little, a few times a little bit in certain fights against no people who don't hit anywhere near as destructively as Dubois. So if I had to have a bet, I'd probably go with Dubois within three rounds, but God, it's not with any sort of certainty. No, a lot of people are sitting on the fence with this one, but for good reason. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people sit That's on the why fence. it's a great fight. You know, and Ed Robinson, for instance, from Sky said, he tweeted earlier on, um, I, can't, I, I can't say anything good about Roy Jones and Tyson fight, and I can't think of anything bad to say about the Dubois and Joyce fight. And he's right, it's a fantastic fight, and not, not enough of these type of fights get made. A lot of people do uh, sit on the fence when I, when I ask them about fights and they're doing it for other reasons. But for this one, I, I don't blame people because it's just impossible to fall really And I think the intriguing thing about this fight is we'll find out so many things about Daniel and Joe tomorrow night and they're the perfect opponents to kind of reveal and answer them questions. Definitely. And this is, by any stretch of the imag imagination, won't be the end of the road for either guy. You know, it's a, it, as long as it sort of lives up to the hype, this is probably going to be one of them situations where bo both guys come out of it with a lot of credit. You know, I'd, I'd probably say more so if Joyce comes through those early rounds unscathed 
and then forces a stoppage or, or a points win, then I feel like Dubois will come out of a lot of credit because he'll have to show a lot of metal to do that if he does go the distance. I think he'll have patches still where he's successful, but um, but you know fights like like I say fights like this don't come around that often, and that's why it's such a good fight because you really can't with any sort of confidence say which guy's going to win. Finishing off with the heavyweights as well, much talked about issue, well not issue but talking point at the moment is Deontay Wilder and some of the comments he's made recently regarding Mark Breland spiking his water and uh, Fury glove tampering etc. What have you made of this situation? I just, like a lot of people, it's worrying because it doesn't really make sense into, you know, logical sense. The gloves are checked. You know, it's, it's quite obvious they're not tampered with. Um, certainly, no commission anywhere in the world would allow that to happen. Um, it's so strict and rightly so because of the because of the nature of the sport. So for him to suggest stuff about Mark Breland in that in that context, it's just outrageous. And uh, you do you really do you know people have joked about it saying is he okay and all that, but you really do have to worry about his mental state and him coming out with with accusations like that. It's not it's not good and. I think I seen someone say about Tyson Fury. I wouldn't be surprised if Tyson Fury's reached out to him. And I don't, I'm not sure whether he has or not. But, but um, yeah, I think people around him, the people close around him, need to keep an eye on because because uh, it's, it's not it's not it doesn't sound good the stuff he's coming out with. Before I let you go, actually, I think this is important to bring up with anyone I'm speaking to boxing right now. Um, there was a load of sports outlined that would get funding uh, from the government. Unfortunately, boxing wasn't on that list. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, outrageous. You know, boxing's one of the biggest sports in the world, um, certainly for overcoming adversity and changing people's lives. Um, and the, the, when I seen the list from the government from for sports, what was benefit from it, the only thing I'd seen was rich sports. That was the way I looked at it. Apart from football, the rest of them, you know, rugby union, um, hockey, you know, sports like that, and renowned for people to being successful, coming from privileged backgrounds. Horse riding. Horse riding, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it, it says to me that they don't want people from um, underprivileged backgrounds being successful and turning their lives around. They want to keep the money where it is, and they want to keep the people struggling, struggling. And um, it, it seems to be the tone of this uh, virus at the moment is uh, everyone who's who's in a bad situation and who can't afford to keep themselves afloat are struggling even worse. And anyone who's okay is uh, is just sort of treading water and isolate, even though they're not in the same situation. They're not struggling, and uh, and it's not realistic. It's so unfair, and um, yeah, it's a it's a real kick in the bollocks for for everyone who's you know for these family-run businesses who've, who've who've had a coffee shop for the last 50 years. On a, on a high street in the in the area where they've always lived, of all of a sudden it, it, it's gone under. It's um, it's heartbreaking. And listen, we can get all political and go into the ins and outs of it, but uh, I think anyone who follows me on, on Twitter can see that I don't agree with what's going on. I think people should be allowed to live their lives. Obviously, when there's a virus around, which there was in March and April, you should be uh, you should be. You know, I have to follow certain guidelines and do certain things without a doubt. But 
the long and short of it is people should be allowed to live the lives they, the way they want to live their lives. Madness though, because you say they don't want to help out people in underprivileged areas, etc., and backgrounds. But <laughs> these kids, and you'll know being around gyms all your life, if they don't have boxing, they will turn to crime. I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them will. And it's only going to create more problems for the government moving forward. Of course it is. Um, listen, we can sit here all day, talk about stuff like that politically, but we're not, and crime is a massive problem across the, across the country, certainly in deprived areas like in, in the areas of Manchester and London and stuff. But, you know, how, how are you... Anthony Joshua, for instance, one of, the, one, one of the most iconic figures in the world at the moment, has come from an underprivileged background. And I wouldn't even like to guess the amount of tax he's paid towards the government. So, um, so for, him, for him to just discard and, you know, or disregard, I should say, um, people from those sort of areas and put them in a situation, just imagine. I mean, I, I can't imagine. When I was a kid, we, we, we had no central eating, we had nothing. My, me, me, my mum was at home with me and my sister up until we was about five or six years old and then she started to go to work because needed, she needed to. And my dad went out and grafted every day, came home at seven hours, seven at night. I can't imagine for the life of me, my dad coming home from work one day and saying, listen, I've been sent home from work and I've got 80% of my wages. When you're living, literally, week by week, and, you know, so, so let's put a figure on it. You're getting 100 quid a week which he wasn't back then, obviously, because it's a thingy, but... And, and you literally need every penny of that 100 quid to survive and get through properly. And then they're saying, you know, you're only getting 80 quid now for nine months. You, that's ridiculous, you know, so that's, 40, uh, that's 80 quid a month less. And then, so any, any sort of type of luxury, like we used to get, <laughs> this sounds like ridiculous now when I think about it, but my dad would go to the, shop at the end of the month and he'd buy a quarter, so they'd wait in a quarter of like, these sweets and he'd buy a bag of sweets and so they'd be probably two or three each. And that was like a treat at the end of the month. So I don't I don't know where you'd be. What, what sort of hope have you got with all this stuff going on and with all these figures bound, being bound around? So, so, so bear in mind, early on in this stuff going on, the figures were really important. We need the R rates to stay below this. You know, if we do this, we're going to have to be more strict. Yet the R rates dropping, and the restrictions aren't getting any easier. They're actually getting worse for people. Do you make sense of that? So, that bumbling buffoon of a prime minister has never made any sense at all. All the way through this, it contradicts it so many times in in all the stuff that's gone on. And then when it people coming up to Christmas are hoping to see the light at the end of the tunnel and it could give them a bit of hope and people can see the figures are coming down and everything like that. He goes, now we're going to make it stricter. For what? Madness. But as you said, we could sit here all day and I know me and you yeah, could sit here all day and yeah. talk about it, but um, on a more positive note, Jack Cattrall is back in the ring tomorrow night uh, on a huge bill with Dubois and Joyce topping it. So tune in to BT Sport. Jamie, we'll catch a word after Jack's fight, all right? Cheers, mate. Top man. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. 
Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt.